Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 38, Wednesday morning, March 20th, 2019, and this is your official Doggy Juice NCAA Tournament Preview episode. When I first started doing this podcast back in September, I can honestly say that this episode is the one that I've most looked forward to recording. The big dance officially kicked off in Dayton last night, but the best four days in sports of the entire calendar year, in my opinion, starts tomorrow. We are coming off a fire night on the Doggy Juice Posted Plays on Twitter and Instagram with the 6-0 sweep last night, and we're coming off uh, a great winning weekend as well, including a nice 15-7 and day on Posted Plays for the wall-to-wall action on Friday. I said it on last week's pod, but college hoops during conference tournament week is, uh, is historically my most profitable week of the entire year. More games for the odds makers to put up, softer lines, wall-to-wall action, so much going on. I always, um, almost always do my, my best uh, last week, and this year was no exception. But nothing beats this week. For me, the next four days are without a doubt my favorite four days of the entire calendar year. Better than my birthday. Better than Halloween, better than Christmas, no offense, Jesus. Not only do we have the big dance starting tomorrow, but we also have the other college hoops postseason tourneys going on with the NIT, the CBI, and the CIT. And honestly, if you're actually serious about making money this week and next week, then some of the best college hoops value that you will find all year long is in some of the games in those lesser postseason tourneys, the NIT, CBI, CIT. Last night I destroyed those games, and I plan on continuing doing that moving forward. All right, so the plan was to bring on the founders over at Cron Harper for an interview this week, but I decided to push that back. This is actually this is my craziest, busiest week of the year, and I had a little foot issue that I had over the weekend. Uh, nothing to do with St. Patrick's Day in Chicago, so it's kind of set me back this week. I got so much shit that I have to pour, pour over, and I want to give those guys a proper interview anyway, and... I already have close to an hour of March Madness preview material to cover in this podcast, so we're going to move that interview back to one of these upcoming weeks so we can focus in more on NFL news with trades and player signings. So be on the lookout for that coming up. Cron Harper, the guys over there, did give me their their posted official um, Cron Harper parlay of the opening weekend, which I will share with you at the end of the podcast. But otherwise, look forward to that interview with those guys coming up and give them a follow on on uh, the Instagram at Cron Harper. So in this episode, I'm going to dive right into the big dance and break down every region and every first-round matchup. I've already locked down several bets for the Thursday and Friday games, so I'll try and give you the side that I'm on when I can, and otherwise I'll try to give you my lean at least for every matchup, and then I'll also give you some of the best value teams to look at in each region and throughout the entire tournament. And then I'll finish by giving you my... Final four predictions and who I predict to cut down the nets when this is all said and done. And another thing, before we get started, I want to note that I've decided to at least try to post my against the spread lean in every single tournament game in the Big Dance on Twitter. Um, I had a lot of success with this last season, just predicting every game. Um, so those won't count as official posted plays unless they're actually noted as best bets on the Doggy Juice Twitter and Instagram. Um, but those will be included on a separate post anyway, so those won't count towards the record, but I'm going to try and do at least against the spread lean for every single game for you degenerates out there who just can't resist betting on every game, which uh, I don't advise doing at all, but it's that time of year where I don't even pass judgment on anybody, especially those who want to make parlays. It's March Madness, baby. It's it's like all bets are off, man. So be sure to follow the Doggy Juice um, on Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice, and I will be 
posting my best bets on there throughout the entire tournament. All right, everyone, let's get going here. Let's break down the big dance. Everybody's ready to go. He's ready to go. I'm ready to go. And you're ready to go. All right, before I jump into each region, some quick big picture items about the tournament. It's very top-heavy this year. Uh, it was a very weak bubble this year, probably one of the weakest bubbles that I've that I've actually witnessed in, in several years. Uh, we had a few bubble teams get knocked out by teams like you know, St. Mary's when they beat Gonzaga in their conference tournament. They knocked someone out, a couple others, but besides that, pretty weak bubble. Uh, the committee didn't do as bad, in my opinion, as in years past, but there were still some pretty epic screw-ups, and they still screwed over the little guys, like Wofford as a 7C was nice, but then they pair them up against... Seton Hall and then Kentucky in their next game. So still went out of their way to screw over Wofford and some of the mid-majors. Uh, another notable one is pairing up um, VCU with Central Florida in their first round matchups, two mid-majors, knocking one of them out. But not a terrible job by the committee. Didn't do as bad as they recently have. In my opinion, the easiest road to the Final Four is, I've gone back and forth on this, but I think Gonzaga and Virginia got very good draws both of them. Uh, my initial inclination was Gonzaga, but I think Virginia has a good road to at least get to the Elite Eight uh, without too many issues. Of course, many people thought that last year as well. Uh, Duke also has a pretty nice ride to the Elite Eight as well. And in terms of most screwed over by their seed, I think Villanova, a sixth seed, is just terrible. These guys won the Big East Conference regular season and the conference tournament. And yet they had a worse seed than Marquette, who got the five seed. Uh, honorable mentions on most screwed over by their seed, Auburn, number five, and Iowa State, number six. Both those teams won their conference tournaments and weren't rewarded. And same with number seven, Cincinnati. So clearly that doesn't matter as much, uh, winning your conference tournament. Uh, least deserving seeds, Kansas, number four. I think that's way too high for them. And I mentioned them before. Honorable mention, Marquette, number five. I already, I already covered that one. But Marquette, I mean... They were trashed on the stretch, and everyone knows that Nova would be favored on a, on a neutral court right now. So I think that the committee was just dead set on pairing up Marquette as a 5C with number 12, Murray State, which I mentioned last week, and getting that juicy first-round matchup between Jordan Howard and um, – I'm sorry, Marcus Howard. I'm <laughs> getting my sports mixed up there. Uh, Marcus Howard and John Morant. Um, toughest region, in my opinion, is the Midwest. Special shout-out to the West, though. I think that's tough as well. Dangerous seven seeds. I think that's another big point, big takeaway from the tournament. As I've said, Nevada has very high variance this year. They can go very deep or they can get knocked out first round. Cincinnati's they're playing their region nearby home in Columbus, Ohio. There'll be a tough matchup for Tennessee in the second round if they do play. Uh, Louisville can absolutely beat Michigan State. And Wofford, I think, will only be about a four or five point underdog to Kentucky as uh, Wofford a seven seed. Um, if those two teams meet in the second round, according to my model. Some quick handicapping strategy points before you jump into all these bets the next few weeks. Remember what I've said these past several podcasts during this time of year. Stay away from the futures, but instead look to do money line rollovers. You will almost always, pretty much 100% of the time, not really, but close, uh, you'll always make a lot more money, not even like just a little bit more, but a lot more money doing the money line rollover. And the good thing about that is you're not forced uh, to count on the team winning the whole thing in order to get to get your money. You can get out whenever you want to. A lot more maneuverability there. So money line rollover is the way to go. The only time you maybe won't make as much is if the team you're betting on ends up uh, you know, getting an easier road because some underdogs beat favorites on that road and they you know, they won't have to... Uh, you won't get as much of a payout by playing on them as they move forward. So money line rollovers is the way to go. 
power ratings in these games are so tough, so it really comes down to the matchup. Most of these lines are so sharp, and this is the NCAA tournament specifically I'm talking about, not the other tournaments where you can see a lot of line value. But lines on these are sharp. I think uh, you know when I tech the openers, I saw some line value on Sunday night and Monday, but besides that, it's really hard right now. So it really just comes down to matchups. So really look at see how these teams particularly match up, and a good way to do that is to look at the team that you're considering and look at teams that are similar to the team they're going up against and how they fared against those teams going uh, throughout the course of the season. So if they're playing a team that's that likes to slow down the ball or play like a zone defense, look how the team you're considering betting betting on uh, fared against those slower-paced zone defense teams throughout the course of the season. It's almost like looking at comparables in order to make your judgment. Keep in mind also that at a lot of these sites, the neutral crowd will be cheering for the underdog. Games where there's like a heavy crowd for one team that is playing in another game earlier or later in the day will almost always adopt the underdog. A special exception there would be maybe like a regional rivalry type of deal where like UNC fans will cheer against Duke. I mean, I guess the underdog will be whoever Duke's playing anyway, but situations like that. But crowd will always favor the underdog and this could actually lead to one one and a half points of line value on the underdog potentially uh maybe even more to the line Uh, another thing that's very important is isolating first half plays in these games as opposed to full game plays obviously you have to pick your spots so but i really recommend diversifying especially if you're looking at underdogs to take them in the first half you get a lot of chance or opportunities uh, to cash those tickets because it's often worth doing in the tournament because the stronger teams can come out sleepwalking sometimes. You know, they're maybe they've had a few days off and they're not taking their opponent seriously or look, looking forward to their next matchup, especially these games on Thursday and Friday. And you might, you know, find them just sleepwalking through the first half, and you can get a good price on an underdog to cover that first half before the the favorite actually, you know, grinds into gear at halftime and pays attention and runs away with it in the second half. That you will see that happen a few times in this tournament. Um, another prop that I highly recommend. This doesn't get a lot of buzz, and probably for a good reason, but uh, first to 15 points props, there's great value in looking at underdogs here, especially the first few days of the tournament. There's more variance involved in these, so if you're taking the underdog, you have more of a chance to cash. I think the variance really starts to go away as you start. If you did like first to 20 points, first to 25 points, then it would be a lot harder, um, way less variance there. So to quote Gil Alexander of VEASAN, if you're just doing all of your plays pre-flop against the spread, then you're the square one. So look at those first to 15 points props, especially with underdogs. And finally, before I move on to the breakdown of the regions, bracket strategy. First thing to keep in mind when you, before you fill out any bracket or enter into any pool is game theory. You have to know the size of the pool. And that means everything. Know the size of the pool that you're playing in. Um, If you're playing in a smaller pool with like 10 or 20 guys or even less than that, then you can afford to be more chalky and... You can you know, pick a lot more favorites to move forward, but if you're playing in a bigger pool with a few hundred people, even a few thousand people, you got to stick your neck out in those bigger pools. There's obviously a sliding scale here between the smaller the pool and the, you, know, you could play favorites in those, and then having to play underdogs more in the bigger pools to win those. So know the size of your pool first before moving in. Some interesting nuggets from RJ Bell on Twitter. 12 seeds, at least one 12 seed has won a game in 26 of the last 30 years. And at least one double-digit seed has made it to the Sweet 16 in 32 of the past 34 years. So pretty much got to figure that at least you're going to have to do that with your bracket as well. So my advice is to go through each matchup and really think about how each team will fare in that particular projected matchup. Obviously, it's going to be harder as you move forward in the tournament, but... 
Uh, most importantly, just trust your gut. Brackets are so random, and usually the chick in your office who knows jack shit ends up winning the pool anyway some of the time. So really, a lot of it's just randomness. Have fun with it. Go with your gut. Um, brackets can be fun, and so spread them out. Maybe if you're doing a bunch of brackets, you can pick different things and root for different things, but who am I to tell you what to do? Brackets are it's a lot of randomness. So, All right, so the big picture stuff is done. Let's get right to the nitty-gritty now. Let's break down the March Madness Big Dance. Region by region. Hello! Starting with the East region, Duke is the number one overall seed in the tournament and the prohibitive favorite to win it all. If you're in New Jersey, then I hear some of the books out there actually have uh, Duke 3-1 to one to win the title out there. The consensus is around plus 225, plus 250 at other places, so you might have a little bit of value. But remember what I said about futures before the tournament. You want to do the money line rollover. You'll make a lot more money doing that. The committee really messed up, I think, by putting the high two seed in Michigan State here with the number one overall seed in Duke. Uh, Michigan State, they won the Big Ten regular season in a conference that got the most teams. Uh, Big Ten got eight teams. And Michigan State also won the Big Ten tournament. Unless, and, uh, and yet they got the two seed in, in uh, the bracket with the or the region with the number one overall seed. So that kind of sucks. But Michigan State, they have Cassius Winston. Uh, but they're also struggling with some injuries. Nick Ward has been out, and Kyle Ahrens uh, went down in the Big Ten title game. And some people also believe that this team, the Spartan team, may never be the same after losing Joshua Langford to a season-ending injury back in January. But they've been a great team, and I think they got kind of screwed over by being paired up in the Duke region. But I think Michigan State actually has a nice road to get through here, but I actually will touch on that potential second-round matchup later on here. Uh, so first-round matchups in the East, starting with Duke versus the winner of tonight's game between North Dakota State and North Carolina Central. Projected line um, is 30 versus North Dakota State, according to my stuff, and about 35 versus North Carolina Central. And I should note this. I found this last night. Uh, five Dimes is offering Duke versus whoever the winner of that game is tonight, and they're offering the underdog at plus 35 in that matchup on five dimes. And I think that's kind of like a free roll because I think that's what the line will be if North Dakota State, uh, or sorry, if NC Central wins, if North Dakota State wins, like I said before, I think the line will be about 30. So if you want a free roll and to get ahead of it, you can probably get down on that still um, and and take that situation where you might be able to even, if, if the chalk holds tonight and North Dakota State wins, which I think they should, uh, they're five-point favorites, then that line should go down. You might have a chance to get like a little three or four point middle, uh, but you can definitely afford to play back, maybe eat a little bit of VIG, but I think you'll get a few points of value by doing that today. So a little heads up to people um, who, can, who can bet on five dimes. Uh, but I think obviously this is going to be a cakewalk for Duke here. Everyone knows that. So let's just move on. I don't waste too much time on some of these matchups um, when Duke does eventually play that winner in a couple days. Um, Next round matchup, I've touched on this one earlier, VCU versus UCF, the alphabet soup game. UCF is a minus one favorite, so this game is pretty much a pick em game. Uh, but like I said, here's another example of the committee screwing over the little guys, pitting two very good mid-major teams against each other in this spot to knock one of them out. It's a shame that one of these two teams has to lose in the first round, but I think this is going to be one of the most intriguing first-round games Central Florida, if you're not aware, you're about to be. They have seven foot six Taco Fall. And I'm so happy they made the tourney this year with him. There was a pretty you know, heartwarming moment. His mom from Africa, who we hadn't seen in years, uh, came to, to senior night for Central Florida. 
and uh, went to, you know, walked on the court with him and everything. So it's pretty powerful stuff. But Central Florida is not all Taco Fall. They also have Colin Smith and Chad Brown. I think it's very difficult to find any inside scoring for, uh, for obvious reasons. Um, VCU guys on the flip side, they're all basically the same. They're a very strong team. I really wanted to bet on both these teams in the first round. That's why I was kind of pissed off that they're playing against each other. But VCU, they have a lot of guys that are around 6'5", 6'6", range who can all play the wing, very interchangeable. VCU is the initial favorite in this game, but the money has moved to Central Florida, and I agree with the move. I actually have got on UCF myself. I think it's a tough matchup for VCU here. This is going to be a very low-scoring game, probably close one too, but give me Central Florida here. I think whoever wins this um, will be getting a meeting with Duke is probably around a 12 to 13 point underdog which sucks but I think the winner of this game could give Duke some problems especially UCF with with Taco Fall if they slow that game down too so I think this will be a great first round matchup but give me Central Florida laying the point next game Mississippi State laying six and a half against Liberty live dog alert Liberty is a smart team they play very deliberately uh, it'll be tough for Mississippi State to utilize their length to beat them, I think. Um, Liberty, they can hang in this one, especially if they force Mississippi State to get out of their comfort zone and keep the Bulldogs away from those easy shots around the basket. But I will be looking at Liberty on the spread. If it gets back up to 7, I think it could be worth a look at that price. And they have a real decent shot of pulling off the 12 over 5 upset in this game. I'm not very sold on, on Mississippi State. And I think whoever does win this game is going to lose their next round matchup anyway, so it could be a good chance to maybe take an underdog in your bracket uh, where you don't think the underdog, the you know the 12th seed in this instance, is going to make it into the Sweet 16. The next game, Virginia Tech, minus 11 against St. Louis. Winner of this game gets Mississippi State, obviously. And Virginia Tech, I think they can be incredibly dangerous in this tournament. They're right on the fringe of the top 10 on the Doggy Juice Power Ratings for a good portion of the season. They're very well coached, great defense. They do rely a bit on the three-pointer, but they're going to be a tough out in this tournament. And the thing that I think really gets me out in Virginia Tech here is the health of Justin Robinson, one of their star players, one of their guards. He looks like he's healthy for this tournament, and this team had a drop-off recently when he got injured. But when he's firing and he's and he's healthy, they could be a very dangerous team. Um, I think they could be the team to end Duke's run. I don't think that'll happen, but I think Virginia Tech against Duke in the Sweet 16 is a very juicy matchup. It'll be low-scoring, and Virginia Tech can really D up. And I think that if they do get past Duke in that game, they have all the makings to be a Final Four team this year. So Virginia Tech, well-coached, Buzz Williams as well. Obviously the health of Justin Robinson's key, so keep that in mind before you play on them. But I do think that they easily get past St. Louis in this game and also make it to the Sweet 16. Next matchup, Maryland, minus 3.5 versus Belmont, who won last night. Almost every year it seems that a playing game winner goes on a nice little run, and that team for me this year I think will be Belmont. Um, I think they can hang with Maryland. Uh, the Terrapins have an absolute stud in Bruno Fernando. He's a 6'10 beast from Angola. Belmont will have to figure out a way to neutralize him and keep him from dominating this game, but I think they can do it. It's a short number on Belmont, but I think that they're worth the look at three and a half. We can get them up to four. Very good price there. Tough one, but uh, give me Belmont to cover. Close game. Tough tough to call. I don't think whoever, whoever wins this game, I don't think is going to make it to the Sweet 16, but they'll definitely be a candidate. In the next game, LSU laying seven and a half to Yale. So as we know, LSU has been at the center of controversy 
towards the end of the season here. Their coach, Will Wade, was involved in the big FBI college hoops investigation. Um, you heard the, some of those conversations that he was having come out of the woodwork. So it's important to note also that their their players have been missing because of this, but it looks like they have the go-ahead to play in this tournament. Javante Smart appears to have been given the all-clear to play uh, in the big dance. So if the distractions don't hamper this team, LSU, I think, could be a very big under-the-radar high-seed sleeper in this tournament. They are very high-paced. They could score. They actually won the SEC conference. People forget that. They're the one seed in the SEC tournament beat Kentucky, beat Tennessee. They could beat anybody, and this team can score. So even though they don't have their coach with them, I think there could be a big coaching mismatch in this game um, because the replacement coach, not as good in the X's and O's, but LSU could be a sleeper in this region for sure. Having said that, I have bet on Yale in this game. Yale opened up around a a nine-ish point underdog, and now it's down to around seven. It's their big public dog. Everyone's on them. I got in at plus eight and a half. Both these teams like to run. I think Yale, I mean, they're, they're not your prototypical Ivy League team. They like to run. They like to shoot. And LSU likes to do that as well. So it kind of plays into LSU's style. I think the over is also a good look in this one. I haven't looked at the price recently, but that's the only way I'd look in this game as well. But, yeah, this is a tough one. I, I think this one, I'll take the points that the Yale already have, but I think LSU does get it done in a close game. Next match, Louisville laying five points against Minnesota. We have the Patino-Louisville angle. Obviously, uh, Rick Patino's son coaches Minnesota. You know the Louisville history with, with Patino. Um, Minnesota's led by Amir Coffey and Jordan Murphy. These guys can finish around the basket as good as anyone. But the problem with Minnesota is they're not a good three-point shooting team. And I think that hurts them here because Louisville has the edge down low for sure. So that plays right into their hands. Chris Mack, the Louisville coach, he came from... Xavier, and he's an excellent X's and O's coach in March. He's proven that over time. And people forget that Louisville, you know, they're they're a good team. And they, they beat UNC by 21 back in January. Everyone remembers that Duke game where they blew the late 20-point lead and lost by two at the end of the Dukies. But Louisville is a sleeper in this tournament. I like them here at minus five. I think it's a tough matchup for Minnesota. I believe Louisville can can uh, easily get through this game and set up a matchup against Michigan State over the weekend, where I think the projected line in that one will be around seven. And I'll be, I will be the spot where I'll be looking to play on Louisville, getting that many points. Um, obviously, that'll depend on how both these teams look in their first game. But look at around seven for that second round matchup between Louisville and Michigan State. I kind of like Louisville in that spot. So. Louisville could be a big sleeper and value play in this bracket or this region for sure. The last game that I'm going to cover in the East region is Michigan State minus 19 versus Bradley, who won the Mountain, uh, sorry, the Missouri Valley tournament. And Bradley's a nice story winning that tournament, but I think they're in over their heads here. Michigan State should be able to name their score, but the thing is, Bradley, they're seventh in the country in taking away transition opportunities, which is something Michigan State will want to do. So if they keep the game slow and ugly, especially early on, I think they can frustrate the Spartans and maybe hang in this one. So I think Bradley could be worth a look on the spread, but at least targeting the first half spread, maybe even that first to 15, especially since Michigan State's coming off uh, winning the Big Ten tournament. might not be as focused. They played Sunday. They've been busy. They're probably uh, feeling fat and happy a little bit right now. So Bradley... If you're going to target them, this is a spot where I would definitely look first half and first to score 15 if you're looking to go that route. Um, Definitely diversify there. But obviously, I think Michigan State wins this game. And in terms of this region, just wrapping up the East region, it's hard to envision any teams besides Duke and Michigan State meeting in the Elite Eight. 
And as a Hoops fan, I hope we get it because we'll see number one versus number five in my overall power ratings. Face off for a chance to go to Minnesota to play in the Final Four. So, But also, like I said, don't sleep on Virginia Tech here and also don't sleep on LSU because either of those they can make those teams can make runs so my best value teams in this bracket are virginia tech and louisville though like i said earlier about louisville michigan state tough matchup for them second round but i do like them to win the next game if they get through but in the end i think we'll we'll get duke and sparty battling it out in the elite eight to get that final four spot all right it's time to move on to our next region that's it for the east region now time to move on to the west region All right, so the West region. Obviously, this one is headed by Gonzaga, who's my number two overall power-rated team in the country. They're fresh off that West Coast Conference title game loss to St. Mary's, so I think that loss actually, when I, when I touched on it last week in the podcast, I think that loss could have actually been good for them moving forward, and especially good for those who are looking to play on Gonzaga. Michigan and Texas Tech are also in the top ten of my power ratings. And Florida State isn't that far off either. So this is a very difficult region. And fortunately for Gonzaga, I think the bottom half of this brackets of this region is much more difficult than the top. Syracuse, it's important to note their history in the tournament. And obviously the, the general public's aware of this, but they've had a lot of success, especially recent uh, in recent tournaments, because the Syracuse zone is something that most teams just haven't seen all season. They play that very particular uh, pack zone and... It's it's tough. They have you know they have specific players. They recruit for it, and it's something that really gives teams fits. But especially in the second game. So this weekend, if Syracuse gets past their first game, then the team they're going up against, which would be Gonzaga in this instance, only has two days to prepare for that zone. So when teams have an entire week to prepare for it, they usually fare a lot better. But it's really in that second game of the weekend that that, uh, Syracuse causes teams fits, and obviously they make it to the Sweet 16. The same thing applies if they win that game and go to the Elite Eight. Only two teams for their opponent to prepare for it when they're obviously spending all week preparing for their other opponent. So it's important to know that. Uh, And Gonzaga would play Syracuse in this exact same spot, but I think the Zags actually match up very well against the Q zone, so they'll be ready for it if they do meet. But before I dive into these individual matchups, I have to touch on Texas Tech as well. They are number one in defense in uh, defensive efficiency, extremely well-balanced and well-coached by Chris Beard. They're actually the number 12 best overall defense in the Kempom era since 2002. They had that rough loss early in the Big 12 tournament to West Virginia when uh, they might not have been really interested at all anyway, and that I think might have opened up value on Texas Tech. I think this team has all the goods. They made the Elite Eight last year, so they have the experience for being there last year. And they're going to be a tough out for any team in this tournament. They pack it in on defense, and they could just shut down any offense. Jared Culver, he could score for them. But otherwise, their one weakness, I would say, is they sometimes go through some offensive lulls. Uh, there's a low toils in all the games they play in, though. So it's tough asking them to cover bigger numbers as favorites. But once if they make it to the later rounds, I love playing on Texas Tech in those angles. Uh, another team to touch on really quick is Buffalo. This team will not be an easy out either. They love to run. And then I mentioned this in last week's pod, or maybe it was the week, in, the week before, but Friday night angle for Buffalo. They played most of their regular season games, or a good portion of them this year, on Friday nights. Just happened to be that way because they're the kind of signature team in the MAC. So if they're playing on a Friday, I mentioned you know Friday night especially, it's a good spot to play on them because they're so used to playing in that situation and I believe their first game is on Friday I mean I know it's on Friday but it's 
I believe it's at 3 p.m. It's in Tulsa, Oklahoma, so I think it could be worth a look there just for that spot, but I do think Buffalo wins their game. So the actual first-round matchups, Gonzaga is laying 26.5 right now to Fairleigh Dickinson, who won last night over Prairie View A&M. Gonzaga, I think, is going to be an easy winner there. They're going to come off pissed off from their, uh, their championship game, or their title game and their conference title game loss last weekend. Syracuse laying two points against Baylor in their game. I think this is going to be a close one. The spread's pretty spot on, but I think the Cuse zone, it's so suffocating, and it could be a spot that you know Baylor sh- should give Baylor fits. The thing is, though, Baylor actually matches up pretty well against Syracuse. They've just been playing shitty recently. That's the issue. Baylor was hot a few weeks ago, but then they had a, a bad run here to close out uh, the regular season and conference tournaments. So they really uh, they've been a fade team the past three four games for sure. Syracuse, I th- you know, they've got the experience, they've got the coaching, they can get it done. I do like them to win this game, and I think I like them as well to uh, to cover the spread. So take a look at Syracuse minus two in this spot. The next game, Marquette. Minus four against Murray State. The five versus the 12. I called this matchup in last week's Doggy Juice podcast. I've been a big fan of Marquette all season long. I have a ticket on them to win this tournament at 150-1. to one. So if they win a couple of games, that will have some equity. But it's really hard seeing them doing that, and especially getting past this opening weekend. Um, I think there's a great chance that, that uh, John Morant and Murray State can win this game. Obviously, the spread reflects that. A lot of sharps seem to be on Murray State here as well. It seems like every national talking head thinks the same thing, too. So um, John Morant will be the best player on the floor. A lot of people are calling him a, a top three draft pick right now, maybe even number two over R.J. Barrett. I think that's a little bit of a stretch there, but but he's going to be high lottery pick. He'll be the best player on the court. Very concerned about the health of Marcus Howard for Marquette. The team leaned on him all season, and he looks pretty gassed right now. Um, kind of the same path that Trey Young took last year. It just did so well at the beginning of the year, but um, it took its toll on him towards the end of the season. And you could see that with the way this team's been playing. And on top of that, Marcus Howard, he's also dealing with issues with his, uh, I believe it's it's his wrist, but I think it's his left wrist. So um, that's something to pay attention to is those wrist issues for Marcus Howard too. Um, but Marquette, they seem, another thing to mention is they, when they've gone up against very good, lead guards this season's like Romeo Langford and Miles Pyle those come to mind they've had a tough time guarding those guys and they've they've gotten destroyed in those games and John Morant will be one of the best players that they face all season and he's one of those lead guards so I think this trend can can continue here however Marquette you know their power rate if they played this game like a month ago I think the spread would probably be double or close to it Um, the market is down on them so I don't think you're finding much value betting Murray State at that price at four So I do think this will be one of the best games in the opening two days. I think Marquette can squeak through and get the victory. Not sure they'll cover, but it'll be a good game nonetheless. I think if you're looking for that easy upset to fill out your bracket in, this is a good spot to go go with Murray State, though. Next game, Florida State, minus nine versus Vermont. I got Vermont at plus 11 here earlier in the week when the lines came out. So if you're coming in on them now at plus nine, then at least understand that you're late to the party. So be careful. This game is being played in Hartford, Connecticut, so it will be more of a home game for Vermont. I, I also like to fade Florida teams coming north usually. So, um, But another guy I like to fade in March is the Florida State coach, Leonard Hamilton. Seems like a very nice guy, and he could definitely recruit, but he's pretty well regarded by Sharps as a very subpar X's and O's coach. So, I mean, just look at his ATS numbers in the tournament. It's like 1-16 in or something absurd like that. So 
Um, I always like to at least look to fade Florida State in the big dance, but this is a tough spot because their length against Vermont is going to be such an issue for Vermont. Anthony Lamb, he's the stud for Vermont. He could score, but he just isn't used to going up against a front line like Florida State has. It'll be tough, but I do think Vermont can hate. Vermont can uh, hang in that number. Value's kind of been taken away up to nine, but I, you know, I'd still play it for smaller if you're really looking to get involved there, but that's going to be a tough one. I definitely look to also isolate some first half and some you know first 15 to score. This is like your tailor-made one for first 15 to score, uh, getting the underdog money here. So Vermont's worth the look. Price is getting tough there. I do think Florida State does win the game outright, though. Um, Buffalo versus the Arizona State St. John's winner. Those two teams play tonight. I really like Buffalo here regardless of who they play. Arizona State's more of a run-and-gun team, and that plays right into Buffalo's hands. I mentioned earlier the Buffalo Friday night angle, so I think they're really worth looking at. They're going to be a tough out, Buffalo. I mean, they've they've been right there all season. They've been getting teams best shot. They do play in a you know obviously a shittier conference, but they can hang. Buffalo, they love shooting the three. These guys can score. They're high pace. They're exciting. So watch out for Buffalo here. Next game, Texas Tech minus fourteen versus Northern Kentucky. Texas Tech was, like I mentioned earlier, one of the hottest teams in college hoops down the stretch before bowing out of the Big 12 tourney early as the heavy favorites to win the tournament. But look for Tech to be pretty pissed off after that early loss and for Chris Beard to have an excellent game plan going into this one. The price is steep spread-wise, though, so I don't know if I could really lay that with them, but it's probably the only way I'd look. I mean, Northern Kentucky's a good team, but their Conference of the Horizon is just a pretty shitty conference. Didn't really play too many good teams all year. Texas Tech's pissed off. I think I like them to easily win this one. I would definitely not select this one as a 14 over three upset. Uh, crazier things have happened, but I think Texas Tech gets it done here. Nevada laying one and a half against Florida. We have to remember that Nevada only lost four games all year, and they're also senior laden. They have a lot of experience. The Martin Twins and Jazz Johnson, Jordan Caroline. They don't have much depth though. That was an issue for them last year. Um, this is important to know. Jordan Caroline, his health for Nevada is key. Um, it looks like he's going to play, uh, but be on the lookout for that because if he does not play, there's just one less key player that they have in that short rotation. But if he does play, it's a huge boost for them. It looks like he's going to. Florida, they're not a big team. They have a six foot five power forward, and Nevada does have that size, and they can also do what they want to do in this matchup, which is run and get going in transition. So I think it's actually worth a short price on Nevada here. Um, just asking them to win the game outright. Um, as I've mentioned, they're the prototypical high-variance team that can they have the talent, they have NBA talent, they can go to the Final Four for sure, but they can also lose this first game. So high-variance, Nevada, but I do like them here. I think they're worth the look uh, if you're just asking them to win the game outright. Final game in the region is Michigan, the rematch against Montana from last year. Michigan's laying 15 points this time. Uh, yeah, committee, what the fuck are you doing? This is a rematch from last year's first round. Like, get your shit together. Uh, Michigan might be in for a letdown spot here, I think, though, especially after losing to Michigan State for the third time in the season on Sunday in the Big Ten title game. But uh, they're also very well coached. Obviously, uh, Beeline, he's, I've said all along, he's one of my favorite, if not my favorite, X's and O's coaches in the entire country. He makes more out of what he has than probably any other coach. Um, so Michigan here, I think they're obviously going to win this game outright, but I'm not sure they're going to cover. Uh, maybe would look to play Montana first half, especially if Michigan's one of the spots where they can come out uh, a little cold after losing that game on Sunday, maybe a little more gassed. So give Montana that look on the spread in the first half and the first 15 to score. 
but Michigan should win this game. To wrap up this bracket, I think this is Gonzaga's bracket to lose. I do expect them to come out, but you just can't sleep on a John Beeline team in March, like I said. And also, Texas Tech is going to be a very tough out. Potential Sweet 16 matchup between Texas Tech and Michigan is very enticing to me. I have that game at a round of pick It'd be very tough to choose a winner in that one. I think Texas Tech would, would win that game. I'd probably at least look that way. Um, but I do expect Gonzaga to come out of this. For value, though, especially on your brackets, I, I would go with Texas Tech to come out of this region. But just to go on record, I think Gonzaga does come out. All right, let's move on. We're halfway there. Let's move on to the other side of the bracket, starting with the South region. So Virginia is the big story here in the South region. In my opinion, they have a very favorable draw, especially the way they match up against any potential opponents before the Sweet 16. Oregon comes in red hot as the 12th seed after winning the Pac-12 tournament. They covered eight straight against the spread. No team is hotter in college basketball right now, and Dana Altman has that team playing exactly how he wants them to play heading into the big dance. Uh, There's lots of slow grinding teams in this region. They all go at a slow pace. That includes Virginia, obviously, and Oregon, Wisconsin, Kansas State, and UC Irvine. They all especially fit that mold. Uh, Another notable thing, Kansas State, their stud Dean Wade is doubtful to play in this entire tournament, and that's a very, very much a shame in my opinion. It's unfortunate. Uh, They're very, they're they're a lot worse without him. They're uh, points per possession numbers pretty staggering with and without Dean Wade. I heard it this week and had to check, but when Dean Wade plays offensively, Kansas State scores 1.06 points per possession. When Wade's not on the floor, it drops down to 0.93 points per possession, so that point thirteen. That's a pretty big difference. And on the flip side on defense, too, um, opponents score 0.87 points per possession when he's on the court, but that ticks up to 0.99, so just about one point per possession when he is off the court. So just the entire dynamic of the team changes when he's not on the court. If you were able to bet on Kansas State this year when Wade came back from his initial injury, you were able to win a lot of games against the spread before the market caught up to that team. So now with him out, I think it's going to be really tough with this team. Obviously last year they had a deep run to the Elite Eight before they lost to Loyola Chicago, and Wade came back, I believe, uh, towards the end of that. So they did make some of the run without him. They are experienced. They are a very good team, but just not having Dean Wade leads to a situation where I'm just not willing to go deep with them in any of my brackets, and especially when you consider their first-round matchup, which I'm about to get to. So in terms of those first-round matchups, starting with number one Virginia against number 16 Gardner-Webb, Virginia's laying minus 22.5 here. That's a big number, but for Virginia, you know, Ty Jerome and DeAndre Hunter are your surefire NBA players for this team. But guys like Kyle Guy, Braxton Key, they could emerge in, in this uh, tournament to improve their, their draft stock immensely. So there's also that aspect to these players trying to improve their draft stocks. But I think Virginia's going to be focused. Obviously, we, we know what happened last year when they were laying a very similar number. I actually think the number against UMBC was like the exact same spread, which is kind of eerie. I think it was like 23 points. So they were laying the same number last year and lost by like 20 points. First ever one seed, they'll lose to a 16 seed. They're out for revenge. They're going to be focused. Kind of shitty for Gardner-Webb to get that scenario. But it'll be interesting to see if Virginia, this game's close early on. And then Virginia's, you know, close at halftime or something like that. How tight are they really going to get? So that'll be something to watch. But I think they're going to be really focused on getting off to an early lead and just taking care of this game early on. So obviously I like Virginia to, to easily cover, not cover, but easily win this game. They're going to play the winner of Ole Miss- 
versus Oklahoma. Ole Miss is laying a point and a half to the Sooners. I think this, I don't have much on this game. I think it's going to be a close game, and it's honestly a tough one to gauge. Both these teams are very well coached, but they have meh talent this, this year at least. But give me Ole Miss here as the straight-up pick. I don't have much conviction with it, but I think this could be you know, one of those games where you can pretty much just flip a coin. But whoever plays, whoever wins this game is going to be a heavy underdog to Virginia in the second round. Uh, next game, this one's a very fascinating first-round matchup, but it's not going to be a very exciting game. Wisconsin laying a point and a half to Oregon. This game's being played in San Jose, and it's going to be an ugly low-scoring game. The total's at 116 and a half, so they're basically saying like a 59 to 57 final score type of deal. Uh, Wisconsin, they opened the favorite, but early money pushed Oregon as the favorite, and then money came back in on Wisconsin. So I think this line's kind of found out where it's going to end up, you know, right around Pickham, Wisconsin, minus one. But no team is hotter than Oregon right now. As I've said, they've covered eight straight. It always seems to take a while for Oregon to click and get that chemistry. They obviously had um, Manu Bolson, Bol Bol, go down, go down with the uh, Bol Bol goal down uh, with an injury a few months ago, and everyone kind of wrote this team off after that happened. But the thing is, they've kind of clicked. Their chemistry's clicked since Bol Bol went out. So it always takes a while for them to click, too, it seems, every year and get that chemistry um, Dan Altman has that weird switching defenses scheme that goes between like a matchup zone and a man-to-man, and it requires a lot of communication on defense and a lot of chemistry, but it also frustrates teams on offense a lot because it's really hard to figure it out. Uh, so Dan Altman, great coach. And the other thing about Oregon is they're led by a great, prototypical, successful big dance point guard in, Pey- in uh, Peyton Pritchard. So they kind of have everything you want, like a very good defense, an excellent coach, very good point guard um, leading the way. So that's that's a team that can go deep. And obviously they, as a sixth seed, I believe they were in the Pac-12 tournament, they ended up being favored in every game they played in. So it kind of shows the market has kind of caught up to them, but this team is playing so well at this time. Um, a 12th seed, they're definitely not at this point in time. Obviously the course of the season they were, but um, this team is better than a 12th seed, and you can see that reflected in the line. Wisconsin, they're great. They have an organized defensive team that relies on the uh, scoring from the three. They have Ian Happ, who's probably going to be the best player on the court. And I think the key matchup will be uh, seeing how Ian Happ performs in the post against that Oregon defense. The issue of Ian Happ, and people know this, is he just cannot make free throws. And that's a huge issue for the team because if this game's close late, then I think you can get a situation where you know they can't. They're forced to just not play Happ down the stretch. That's a huge issue for Wisconsin, shooting those free throws. So hard to ask them to, to win this game by any margin, but man, it's really tough. So if you're looking you know, for that easy 12 over 5 upset, this is obviously the most likely one since you know the market thinks so. It's basically a coin toss who wins the game according to the market. So that's your easy um, 12 over 5. But I actually think you can maybe find value playing on Wisconsin here. Um, especially given their tourney experience. It's tough flying all the way to San Jose, but they're, the Badger fans do travel well. So I think I actually might go contrarian there and actually look at Wisconsin in my brackets. But honestly, either of these teams can win their next game and um, and I think make like a run to the Sweet 16 and, and make some noise and actually play against Virginia in the uh, in the Sweet 16 or so and give them fits too, honestly. So um, it's tough. Whoever wins this game, I do think... I, wins the next game so for my bracket you know i'm gonna have somewhere i think i have wisconsin going to the sweet 16 and some of them with oregon going to the sweet uh, sweet 16 but in terms of my overall pick i'm gonna go with wisconsin here 
Next, the aforementioned Kansas State laying four and a half points versus UC Irvine. Live dog alert. As I noted earlier, Dean Wade missing for Kansas State, which is an absolute shame. On the flip side, UC Irvine, they've been the class of the Big West all season long. Jonathan Galway, uh, he won Defensive Player of the Year in the Big West for three straight seasons now. This team can play defense. But Kansas State's an excellent defensive team as well, so I think the under can actually be worth a look in this game, even though it's already at 119. It's going to be another grinding, slow game, which obviously makes it harder for the favorite to cover uh, spread laying the points. So UC Irvine is a very live dog here. It's a tough matchup for the Wildcats, and that's evident through that short spread. Points will be hard to come by, but only way I'd look in this one is the dog. But unfortunately, that price has come down. I don't see much value in that price. The line looks pretty close to correct to me. Um, forced to play it, I play UC Irvine. This is another great choice for your brackets to take a 13 over a 4 and a matchup that at 13 is going to be right there in the end for sure. So it's going to be a close one. I think Kansas State will get it done, but UC Irvine on the spread or pass on the spread for me. Moving on, number 6 seed Villanova laying 4.5 as well to number 11 St. Mary's. This is such a tough matchup for Villanova here, and it's a shame because I have them in my top 15 of my power ratings, and they got totally boned with the, the six seed. Um, but St. Mary's two-point defense is very, very good. And they can get the upset here, in my, in my opinion, and also have a chance to make it to the Sweet 16 as well. Um, St. Mary's, whoever wins this game, I think has a great chance, actually. So this will be a tight one. I like the points at St. Mary's. Four and a half is not that great of a number. So I, you know, I'd really like to get at least five to get involved in St. Mary's. But I think there's pretty good value there there's just it's just a fundamental bad matchup i think um for villanova st mary's plays like right into them st mary's is such a slow plotting team very deliberate villanova obviously they're a great three-point shooting team but st mary's i think they're going to be able to d up and keep this one close and it's gonna be tough for villanova to win this one i think this is another one that you could take the underdog on your brackets and have a great shot of of getting it to go through um i will take villanova to win it but i think you know you know what I'll take St. Mary's. Sorry, Villanova. Defending champs out in the first round. Next game, Purdue. Minus 12.5 versus Old Dominion. Purdue was red hot, but faded a bit here down the stretch, and that's due to some injury issues with their stud point guard, Carson Edwards. I have a position on Old Dominion getting 13 here. It's at 12.5 now. Could tick back up, and I like um, Old Dominion plus 13 getting these points. Matt Painter, Purdue coach, always seems to do really shitty in March, I don't know what it is. Like made some pretty boneheaded moves in the past, but um, this is a tough one. Purdue, obviously, they can score. They have a great defense. They have guys who can stretch, big guys who can stretch the floor, like uh, like Harms, and obviously a great point guard. But I'm worried about that injury to Carson Edwards. I think Old Dominion could keep this one close. I like Purdue to win the game outright. If you're looking for a crazy upset, you can maybe go with Old Dominion in your brackets. But I do like Old Dominion to cover the spreads. So also, be looking at them first half, first 15 to score here as well. The next game, Cincinnati laying three and a half to my alma mater, Iowa Hawkeyes. This game is being played in Columbus, Ohio. So it's very close to Cincinnati's home. Cincinnati's not a very big team, but Jerron Cumberland is such a matchup uh, nightmare for Iowa. Uh, good luck guarding him, Isaiah Moss. The spread looks about right to me, but I do lean Cincinnati just because of the matchup. Iowa's a big team, very efficient on offense, great free throw shooting team too if, you're, if they're winning down the stretch. You like that. Um, but and they do have size, but I think this is just a tough matchup for them against Cincinnati. Having said that, it seems like everyone and their uncle thinks this too and thinks that Cincinnati's the team. So if you get this, this spread up to like four or five, 
then I'm going to have to take a look at Iowa at that price, but could be close. I do think Cincinnati does get it done, though. But it should be noted that if Iowa goes through and wins this game, I actually think they match up very well against Tennessee and can cover a big number in that second-round matchup against Tennessee if they do indeed face off over the weekend, so that's worth noting. Tennessee, speaking of them, uh, the 2 versus 15 matchup in this bracket or in this region, Tennessee's laying 17.5 against Colgate. And as the holder of a few Tennessee to win it all, 35 to 1 tickets, this matchup worries me a bit here. Colgate is legit. I still think Tennessee can get through this one, but I think Colgate has a good shot of staying within the number. They have this stud, uh, Ivanowskis, who's this six foot 10 dude that can spread the floor, knock down outside shots. Lots of matchup issues for Tennessee here, and they'll have their hands full in this game. Uh, Colgate has played good teams very well this year, too. They played teams like Penn State and Syracuse down to the wire. So they can hang in this one. I'm going to be looking at Colgate on the spread, I think. Tennessee will win it, but it's especially a good spot, I think, to look at Colgate in the first half and the uh, first to 15 prop in this one. That's worth a look, but I do think Tennessee ends up winning the game outright. Recapping the the entire region, it's Virginia's to lose, but power ratings-wise, Tennessee can give them a run for their money if they meet. I recommend avoiding uh, Kansas State, like the plague, without Dean Wade. And like I said, I think whoever wins the Villanova-St. Mary's game has an excellent shot at winning their following game against Purdue. Otherwise, I think the only teams that could challenge Virginia or Tennessee in this region are the winners of the Wisconsin-Oregon game. But give me Virginia to right last year's wrongs and get out of this region where they'll be favored in their Final Four matchup regardless of who they play most likely. All right, let's move on to the final region, the local, for me at least, the Midwest region. In my opinion, the Midwest region is the toughest region from top to bottom. Honorable mention, uh, the West region, Gonzaga's region. Lots of candidates to win um, this region in the Midwest. UNC, Kentucky, Houston, Auburn. I'm down on Kansas. I think they shouldn't have gotten that four seed here, so I really think it's just one of those four teams. And even Wofford, don't sleep on them. Uh, They have a chance to come out of this region. First-round matchups, UNC laying 24.5 versus Iona. There's going to be lots of scoring in this one. Unfortunately for Iona, their strengths play right into UNC's hands. Both like to get up and down the court. So UNC gets through there, obviously. Next game, this is an interesting one, and a first-round matchup I'm very much looking forward to seeing. Utah State, three-point favorites against Washington. Washington was the class of the Pac-12 for most of the season, but faded a bit here down the stretch. Utah State actually got lucky when... San Diego State beat Nevada in the Mountain West semis. Uh, that set up a scenario where Utah State just had to beat San Diego State instead of a Nevada team that wanted revenge over Utah State in the final. So Utah State got through. Otherwise, they'd probably be in the NIT um, if they didn't. It's hard to say. I think they deserve to get in, though. But Utah State's the favorite for a reason. Washington plays a zone, but Utah State matches up very well against it. They're filled with shooters, and they're an excellent passing team. However, the spread has gotten away a little bit. Utah State, they're very well coached, and they're a very well balanced team. And I like them to win here, but in my opinion, the three-point spread offers no value at all. Either way, Utah State is the play. I'll be looking at them, and if it gets down to two, you know, it gets it gets there. I, I like them to win the game outright, but I'm not gonna I don't think I'm gonna lay three points with them here. Gotta dive into it a little more. But Utah State's my pick to win this one. Next game, Auburn laying five and a half against New Mexico State. This is a popular spot where a lot of people are thinking 
that the 12 can beat the 5 here. Uh, it's one of the most appealing first-round matchups. The spread has dropped a bit from the opening number, so New Mexico State saw a lot of early money. Auburn, they caught fire, won the SEC tournament. They're a very high-variance team that, in my opinion, has Final Four potential, but they can also lose this game. Uh, Auburn, obviously, they played a lot of games in a row last weekend. It's tough. Like I usually like to fade teams that win their conference tournaments, obviously, honestly, because um, you know they're obviously coming off of that emotional win over the weekend, and they've played. You know, they're not as well rested. They play a lot of games in a row, and it really doesn't set them up for a good week of practice, in my opinion. So it's usually a fade spot for me. But you also sometimes see teams that are red hot and steamroll through their conference tournament and then keep the momentum going in the big dance. So it's not like a like a total black and white rule there. But in this spot, I was looking forward to maybe fading Auburn, but it's kind of tough for me. I mean, Auburn's a very up-tempo team. They live and die by the three. New Mexico State, they have historically been that way, but they've kind of scaled that down a bit. Um, They can get the upset here because they do match up very well, and I think they can get a lot of offensive rebounds here too because Auburn really struggles on the glass. But in short, Auburn can win this game by 20, or New Mexico State can win this game by 10 or 20 um, and win the game outright. So there's some big-time variability in this one. It'll be fun to watch. Um, definitely leaning the New Mexico State side, but it's hard to get involved after some of that early money already brought the value or took away the value, brought the line down. But New Mexico State, definitely worth a look. If you're considering a good you know, upset on your brackets, this is a good one to look at, New Mexico State beating Auburn. Moving on, Kansas, the four seed, laying six points against Northeastern. Upset alert, Northeastern got healthy at the right time, and it seems that these two teams are going in the opposite directions heading into this game. So I'm going to be picking Northwestern to win this game in a few of my brackets, um, and I really think that that's especially worthwhile because I think I'm going to take Auburn in those to win the next round anyway, so it's fine you know, if Kansas does win the game but then loses to Auburn. And the next game, you don't really lose out on much in your bracket. So I think this is a good underdog to take. Getting six points, it's kind of tough. I really wanted to get to seven to get fully involved in this game, but I think a little bit less for six, Northeastern. Um, yeah, I think they're a good team to look, especially in the first half here, but also the full game as well. They could uh, they could pose some problems for Kansas. Kansas has been pretty banged up down the stretch as well. Uh, moving on to the next one, Iowa State laying five and a half points to Ohio State. Iowa State is such a Jekyll and Hyde team. They looked like world beaters in early January. Then they had a terrible run. And then now at the end of the year, at the end of the season here, they caught heat again. They ended up winning the Big 12 tournament. Um, but they still got, obviously, that crappy six seed here. Ohio State, they have been incredibly mediocre all season, but Caleb Wesson's back and he's healthy. And you saw this team play a lot better with him back in the Big Ten tournament. I think Iowa State gets this one done, but I'm pretty split on the current spread. I definitely lean to Iowa State at minus five and a half. If it gets down to five, I might consider it. Definitely like, you know, down four or three. But like I said before, such a Jekyll and Hyde high variance team where they can lose this game, but also, you know, make it to the Final Four or some shit like that. So um, Iowa State, I do like them to win this game here, though. Moving on to the next one, Houston laying 12 and a half against Georgia State. Houston has seniors on this team, including uh, two of their guards, so you're not really going to see them make a lot of mistakes. They're very well coached by Coach Sampson. Georgia State can hang here, though. They have some guys who can go bombs away from three and present some problems for the Cougars, but Houston's been really good. What worries me is um, they were so much better at home this year. Houston, not as much on the road, but they did win their conference. They 
were an excellent team and my power ratings all season long. And I actually have them at a at 70 to 1, 70 to 1 ticket on Houston a couple weeks ago. Thank you to Danimal for alerting me to that price. So I'll be pulling for them for sure. But uh, as a three seed, I think they have the potential to make the Final Four. If they get hot, this team can really knock down the threes, Houston. so And George State can too. So it might be worth uh, looking at Nova in this spot. But Houston is the look. I think covering the spreads would be tough, but I do think they win this game. Moving on, we've got two games left here of the final region. We have Wofford laying two and a half points against Seton Hall. Wofford is the public mid-major darling, and for good reason. Fletcher McGee, everyone knows him now, and for those who don't know him, they're about to. Um, he can fucking shoot the three. And th- this entire team can shoot the three, though. They're 42% from three-pointers. They're very deliberate, and they rely on the three, which could be their undoing or the reason why they make it deep. But if they are knocking them down, watch out Kentucky in the second round because Wofford, that's a tight spread. I mean, I have it around four or five points, Kentucky favored against Wofford, and that could be a spot where all the pressure's on Kentucky, and if Wofford catches heat, Wofford could knock out Kentucky. But they'll still have to get through Seton Hall in this game. Seton Hall... Um, a lot of sharps I've seen were on them when that line was at three. They were taking Seton Hall. Um, just with the idea that this is a huge step up in class for Wofford, obviously, facing Seton Hall, a team with uh, athleticism and length that Wofford's not used to playing. And I see that argument, but I still think Wofford gets this done. I still think they win this game. I don't think Seton Hall gets them as a, the 10 seed. Look for Wofford to win this game straight up and set up that second-round matchup against the next team. And the final matchup I'm going to cover, Kentucky laying 21.5 against Abilene Christian in their first-round matchup. Abilene Christian coming out of the Southland, the conference down south, and the Purple Wildcats is their name. They can score from the three, which is something that Kentucky doesn't necessarily defend very well. Purple Wildcats, they do have the ability to cover in this one, and that's going to come down to their ability to knock down those threes because Kentucky has such a massive edge down low. Um, it's also important to note that the Southland has had success in this tournament in the past. I have personal bad memories of Northwestern State beating my, my uh, alma mater, Iowa Hawkeyes, as a 14 seed, that, that corner three that will forever be burned in my memory. Um, and everyone remembers that uh, Stephen F. Austin team a few years ago that was very close to a Final Four. So the Southland's performed very well in the tournament recently. I want to take a look at Abilene Christian to cover the spread. So I think if you're waiting until like right before tip off on this one you might get a better price nice price in Abilene Christian you should actually really also look to uh, to take that first half and first to 15 price in this one as well I think Kentucky wins this one pretty easily but I think the purple wildcats can cover here against the blue blood wildcats so that'll do it um well yeah really quickly recapping this region too um in the end I think that Kentucky or North Carolina is going to be the team to come out of this region I'm going chalky there but I'll go with Kentucky as my predicted team to get to the Final Four. The big high-variance team in this conference is Auburn, as I've said. And for value, you might be best taking Houston in your brackets. I think a lot of people might be kind of avoiding them. A lot of people remember what they saw last, at least the Joe Public betters usually do, and they saw Houston lose to Cincinnati on Sunday. But people forget the Cincinnati uh, lost to Houston their first two times they played in the regular season. So it's tough to beat a team three times. And um, Houston could be the value team in this bracket. I have a ticket on them, thanks to Danimal, that's 70-1. to 1. Um, So I'll be pulling for them. But in the end, I do expect Kentucky or UNC to make it out of this region. Give me Kentucky as my projected team. Nothing but nylon from deep. All right, so to recap, my biggest value sleepers based off market perception, and this is in no order, 
are Virginia Tech. Health of Justin Robertson obviously changes this, but I think they can give Duke a scare and they have Final Four potential. Texas Tech, I think they have great value for the Final Four, especially on your brackets. I don't think a lot of people will be taking them, but they are number one defensive efficiency. They're going to be a tough out for anybody. St. Mary's, I think they have that Sweet 16 potential. They match up well against Villanova in the first game. Obviously, you know, for me, they're not going to win that game probably, but I'm picking them to. Uh, doesn't make much sense, but I think the line is, uh, is a little bit off on that one. I do think St. I think St. Mary's is a tough matchup for Villanova there, so worth a look at St. Mary's for value. And also Houston as a three seed with value. As I said before, I think most people are taking Kentucky and UNC in their brackets with that one, but I really think, especially if Wofford can beat Kentucky in that second-round matchup, and UNC will have a tough matchup against, or- against Auburn if they play, uh, Houston could be your nice value team to come out of their region. So those are the value teams I'm looking at in for the brackets, at least according to market perception. And really quickly before I close out the Doggy Juice Final Four, I'm going pretty chalky here. Number one, Duke. Number one, Gonzaga. Number one, Virginia. And number two, Kentucky. Pure power ratings-wise, I'd have Duke versus Virginia in the final, and it would be a very close game in the title game with uh, Duke being the projected winner. But that's not what I'm going to pick. The official 2019 Doggy Juice NCAA Tournament Championship prediction is Gonzaga versus Virginia in the title game, and Gonzaga wins their first national championship. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Podcast, the official NCAA Tournament Preview. Hopefully I gave you all some information in this pod that can help you fill out your brackets and place your bets over the next four days. Like I said earlier, the Cron Harper interview is coming soon. And here's your Cron Harper official given out parlay, uh, the Cron Harper parlay of the opening weekend. Those boys have Marquette Moneyline with Nevada Moneyline with Yale plus seven. It looks like one unit there will pay off about four and a half units. So good luck to the Cron Harper boys on that one. Follow my plays on Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice. We've been hot recently. I'm going to post my best bets there throughout the tournament and also really pay special attention to my best bets in the NIT, the CBI, the CIT, those softer line tournaments because that's where I make my hay at this time of year. But we're going to be posting those value plays, the best bets throughout the course of the tournament, throughout the course of March and early April. So enjoy the games, everyone. Really looking forward to this weekend. Remember, watch that bankroll management. It's, there's going to be losses, there's going to be wins, but only you control your bankroll management and you can go broke very fast if you're an idiot with that. So be disciplined and, um, and just be smart in your bets. Uh, anyway, be on the lookout next week for my podcast previewing the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. And enjoy the games this weekend, everyone. Good luck on your bets. March Madness time, baby. Let's do this. Doggy Juice out. Oh.